Hello, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in .NET. I'm John Kleber, your host, and with me today is Wailu, straight from Australia. Hey. Yes. How are you? Good. Good. It's been a kind of a long week. Real yeah. busy this week, doing all sorts of things, you know, during the day, and then sports at night, and softball, and then house stuff on the weekend, because where I'm at, the uh, sun doesn't set until about 9 p.m., so got oh, to get used paradise. to that. that yeah, those late night hours, yeah. I leave work now, it's like already dark, it's so depressing. <laughs> so, oh. Yep. Yeah, a whole different right. ball game, right? Mm. Hey, that sounds like our other co-host, Caleb Wells. Hey. Hey. How are y'all? Good. Hey. Yeah, Sean, you know, I've actually been getting on a little bit myself. Sunday, we did a birthday party with one of my son's friends at a trampoline park. And then Monday, we went to a roller skating rink. And then Wednesday morning, I pulled my back out. <laughs> <laughs> from the trampoline or from the roller skating? I think it's probably the combination of the two, right? <laughs> I'm getting old. Uh, but other than that, yep. yeah, it's been a good week. Yep, I grew up uh, roller skating in high school every Friday and Saturday night. You know, that was my. Well, it was out. the first time for my son, and at first he was hesitant. But by the time we were ready to go, he's like, "I'm not done. Let's let's go again. Let's go." So it was good. Did they tighten up the wheels and things like that so it didn't roll too too much? No, they've actually got kind of like oh, uh, like the like, wheelchair like things in front of you. Okay, yeah, like where, where you yeah. can you can lean on the the. Oh. What do you call them? The walkers, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Good. Well, I had a couple of big things this week. I bought a new car. So, wow. We're, we're hoping that, you know, my wife's been out, out of work for a little while. So, she, she's been having some interviews and things like that. So, during COVID, we were both at home. So, we really didn't need two cars. So, we turned one in and just kept one. And so I decided since she might get a job, I, I might need a car when she's at work. So, picked the there one up. There you go. Yep. Good deal. Yep. So it's time. And the other big thing is I paid off my mortgage. Whoa. Ooh, that is a <laughs> massive. Big thing. Congratulations. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. So I, I awesome. replaced my mortgage payment with a car payment, <laughs> <laughs> which will be paid off a lot faster than your mortgage was. Yes. Depends on the car, though. Yeah. You might have bought a Tesla. My Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, the car is at 0% interest. So that's better than the three and a half, four percent I was playing on my mortgage. So, yep, definitely a better deal. All right, let's bring on our guest. Welcome, Barrett Blake. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Excellent. Yeah, good, good. So, uh, Barrett, why don't you start us off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, you know, how you got into uh, programming and and, uh, what you do with .NET, things like that? I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually, I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. So again, I'm Barrett Blake. I am a 
My official title at work is Dynamics Competency Manager. So I work mostly in the uh, Power Platform sphere, you know, with Microsoft Dynamics, Power Apps, Power Automate, uh, that kind of stuff, Power BI, as far as the professional work goes. And then uh, in my free time, I like to play around with a, a lot of Blazor, Vue.js, some of that stuff. Learned some of that stuff on the side as well. I've been a developer for a really long time. You know, I've been doing .NET since 1.1. As far as professional career, I started off with a, a job right out of college with uh, VB.NET. And uh, after that, switched to C Sharp and have been on that pretty much ever since. You know, I've been interested in programming my entire life since my dad brought home a, a ZX81 Sinclair. One of those little black membrane keyboard Timex, devices. Yep. Yeah, 1K yep. of RAM. and Yep. Yeah, it's just, it's just been hooked ever since. So <laughs> really, it's really love of my life kind of thing. So. Yeah, I remember those well. They had the little like little block symbols and things like that. You can on special keys to try to do graphics and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the, the fun ASCII so, graphics yep. stuff. Sounds like a, a similar path to uh, Caleb and myself. So we've been in kind of in .NET world about that long and VB and lots of different things. Every yeah. time... Someone talks about their childhood and computers and how they got into programming. It makes me think of the time that I was trying to install a game on DOS. I think I've already told this story. And instead, accident deleted the whole operating system. Um, <laughs> it was a right. It was an old. I mean, you know, this is you know twenty years ago, twenty twenty five years ago, and my dad was not happy. But yeah, I learned some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So uh, yes. you, you talked about the Power Platform. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, you know, kind of give us a, a broad overview first before we kind of get into the details. So, I mean, uh, it's basically it's Microsoft's ERP and CRM system at the core of uh, Dynamics and uh, basically, you know, software that helps people run their businesses and to, uh, to do their day-to-day work for a lot of things. I tend to spend more of my time, I, you know, I've got a team of developers that work for me who uh, focus more on the Dynamics side. And then I tend to spend more of my time on the uh, Power Platform side with, you know, Power Automate uh, Power apps, Canvas apps, that kind of stuff. All right. So, so why would somebody want to use like Power Automate and and the other Power Platform tools rather than just writing code themselves, firing up so Visual I, Studio and going from there? Yeah, I I think it's a lot of the appeal is the ease of use. I mean, it, especially when you're needing to manipulate data, move data from place to place, in a lot of systems. 10, 15, even five years ago, a lot of us developers would write a Windows service or some kind of dedicated console app to, to do these kinds of translations and and uh, custom movement of data and translation of data from place to place, whether it be from you know Salesforce to SQL Server to, to whatever it might be. Power Automate is one of those things, especially that helps us to do that a lot quicker and a lot easier because a lot of that's right, just built in, it's just you know, click and click and drag and add some configuration and boom, you're done. Is it is it any similar to uh, like running SSIS packages in that environment that you kind of drag and drop things and connect them and maybe a little bit of code here and there? Yeah, it, it's it is actually a lot like that. I mean, and, and I've I've come from a heavy database background as well. In fact, I was writing some SSIS packages for a client today, which I would much rather do in, in Power Automate because it just does <laughs> it does make it easier than uh, than doing that kind of stuff. But it's a similar concept. Yeah, you, you have various uh, functions and, and components that you just drag and drop on the interface and and can manipulate and you know have some flow to it back and forth. So, is Power Automate is it online only tool or? Uh, no, it's it's also has a uh, what they call Power Automate Desktop, which is a robotic process automation component. It has to start in the cloud uh, with with you know whatever triggers the flow, 
But once it's running, it can connect to an on-prem RPA client and do things on your on-premises stuff that you wouldn't be able to do. For instance, you know, interacting with legacy apps, it has the ability to control a computer, log into it to, to do some, it can run a legacy app to automate a lot of the, the tedious things that, that are still sitting out there, you know, apps that are 20, 30 years old that people still have to deal with on a day-to-day basis where they just go in there every day and do the same thing over and over again. And that's a, a, one of those great components that uh, that they've added for for in the recent years. So you also mentioned Power BI, and I've gotten some experience in that in the last year, and I feel like it's definitely coming into its own. How does Power Automate and Power BI, how do they work together? Because I haven't used the two in conjunction. Yeah, they don't have a lot of direct interaction. So Power Automate is is the stuff to get your data where it needs to be or to do things like that. So you, know, you would use Power Automate to get your stuff into Snowflake or into a SQL Server or something like that. And then you'd use Power BI to do the reporting off of that uh, database or whatever data structure you have there. What about like Logic Apps? How is that different to Power Automate? So I kind of look at Logic Apps as being kind of like the big brother to Power Automate. Um, Logic Apps let you do a lot more custom coding, whereas with Power Automate, uh, it's very limited in the amount of custom coding that you can do. It's very much drag and drop and and configuration. But with uh, things like uh, Logic Apps, you can actually write C-sharp code or JavaScript code as part of your your app to uh, do a little bit more than you would normally be able to do otherwise. I thought the whole point was like, I mean, the the marketing spiel of the Logic App is that you you know, it's for business people and they, that you don't need to write any any um, custom code. Yeah, and you don't have to, but uh, mm. it's definitely something you can do. You it can gives do you that, that capability that the flow or Power Automate doesn't. Yeah, cool. Could I replace um, my uh, SSIS tasks with Power Automate? Oh, yeah, very easily for in most cases. I think one of the biggest things that SSIS packages, you know, you would use in the past is things like, bringing Excel spreadsheets or CSV files into your, your SQL server or doing something like that, as long as you're open to, you know, moving that from an on-prem network share into like OneDrive or, or Google Drive or something like that, then it's, uh, it's a lot easier in Power Automate to do those processes. And would I have to punch a, a hole in my firewall to access an on-prem SQL server? No, what they do is they have an on-premises gateway. And basically, it's a, a one-way connection. You cannot communicate from... The internet to that gateway, but that gateway is always calling out constantly. So it's a one-way thing. So the gateway keeps going out and saying, hey, do you have anything for me? Do you have anything for me? And if it does, then it will trigger on the on-premises network. Oh, cool. I had a question. What kind of data do you use Power Automate for? With my Power BI experience, we were actually dealing with some big data sets. And so we ended up using Azure Synapse and data pipelines. Mm-hmm. Can you do several things in Power Automate or would you be using for smaller data sets? Uh, it's generally for smaller data sets. It's something where it's okay. where it's iterating, most of the time it's iterating a row at a time. So something like maybe you want a flow to monitor your Twitter feed for mentions for your company. And then you could take those uh, mentions of your company, you could send them out to uh, Azure Cognitive Services and have it automatically rate, you know, is this something I should be concerned about? Is there a trending negative impact on my company that I need to know about immediately? something that you would not notice as quickly, you could automate all that with a flow and have it watching that kind of thing and then alert you if there's something, hey, you need to go take a look at what's going on. Somebody's trending badly for your company, things like that. It's also pretty good for, for some of the, the lighter handling stuff, of moving data back and forth. But yeah, something where you're doing a huge amount of data, then you might want to stick to like Azure Data Factory or something like that. So I really hadn't 
thought about that perspective, but from a customer service standpoint and staying on top of, like you said, your your reputation and, and customer happiness, I can see how that would definitely yeah. uh, come uh, Another future. good example, I, I uh, attended a conference uh, like the year before last. And basically, I was, I was uh, as part of this conference, I was looking, I was monitoring the, the uh, Twitter feed for that conference for anything that would be worthwhile to retweet. Um, so if somebody mentioned a particular talk that I enjoyed or something like that, then, then it would alert me on my phone. I could just hit a button and say, hey, retweet that. And it would just automatically retweet it for me. And it's got like connectors to all of these like services to later, like plug and play into services like Twitter, et cetera, really, really easily, I'm guessing. Yeah, it does have. To a lot of services, there's a lot of excellent connections. Some of them are not as as great. You know, if you need to do something with Facebook, it's not really great. It's very limited what it can do. But things like LinkedIn or, or other social media generally is fairly good for that. You know, it just depends on what those external companies have in their APIs and what's available. Another example of a place where Power Automate really excels is with like approval processes where somebody needs to submit a a workflow approval process where they, they're requesting something, it has to go to a manager and then it goes to their manager you know, for final approvals, then it goes to accounting for their approval for that and things like that. Power Automate is excellent for that kind of approval flow process and making sure to keep a track of everything, making sure you're not missing anything that needs to be included as part of your company's workflows. So. That really makes me think of SharePoint, which I shudder a little bit, but I had to do some SharePoint workflows back in the day, that same kind of flow. I'm imagining this is easier slash more straightforward. Oh, yeah. The far easier and far superior to, to anything on SharePoint, yeah. Mm. And what, what was the one that they tried to build into Windows? Why that was a WPF? No, not WPF. Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. They were trying to implement a workflow process right into the Windows and .NET. Mm. Yeah, that yeah. Mm. I can't remember now. It's, it's been too many years. <laughs> so would you typically write like the custom code usually in C Sharp or can you do it in other languages? For me personally, I'd probably do C Sharp. I mean, it's it's one of the things that, that Microsoft has really improved on in recent years is the ability to use mm. whatever language you want in, in various things. So, I mean, obviously for, for Power Automate, you're not doing any custom coding, but for things like Logic Apps and that, uh, Canvas Apps, you can, you, know, you can use C Sharp, JavaScript, mm. whatever, your, whatever your preferred platform is almost anymore, it seems. And is there any kind of a concept of, like, you know, coding, most of the time you'll, you know, you have some a level of testing, I guess, unit testing and things like that. Like for these integration products, is there a like concept of of testing? Like, how would you generally test these products or uh, your do, workflows? Yeah, I mean, they do have the concept of uh, environments, and so for each environment, you can select the the particular connector that that environment would be tied to. So, you can have a de- development environment which is connected to the respective dev environments in your connected apps. Uh, and then when you've got it to the point where it's all working correctly, then you can take that logic app or flow or whatever it is, and you can just basically export it from one environment, import it into your production environment, and you just change the connectors and you're all set. Yeah. You mentioned Canvas apps. What are those specifically? I'm assuming it's not the HTML Canvas stuff. I mean, it, it is a, a web app or a phone app. It is uh, the Power Platform or Power Apps, I guess they call it has a concept of, of creating a very simple application. A lot of it will build for you. You just basically give it the data set and you say, okay, here, build me an app around this. And it'll put a lot of that basic stuff in there for you to create a simple CRUD app. And it's basically, you know, being able to create a, a it's almost like a Xamarin app, but a very simple version of it that's, again, targeted at business users being able to do it themselves with very little learning. And obviously with Canvas app, there is a lot of 
coding involved. So they do have to learn some coding. So it wouldn't be for a complete novice, but it's something where you could hand off to your younger developers and say, here, go create me an app in Canvas apps that does this, this, and this. And, and they would have a fairly simple time creating such an application. So can't do anything really complex, but it, but for fairly simple stuff, it, it works really well. Do you see it as a possible replacement for web forms? Uh, if, if people have legacy applications, they don't necessarily want to do Blazor, something with lines, if they're fairly straightforward. Yeah, and if they're fairly simple in concept, then yeah, it could easily replace that. And it's that's something that they could also install on an iPad or a phone or something like that, and it would work just as easily as a, as a uh, native app. Nice feature. Simplifies things. So what's what's kind of the process you, you go through, you know, is it is it just like anybody that's familiar with access? You you've got this area that you can just drag and drop your controls onto, and then set the properties for them, and then you maybe respond to events. Is that kind of how you set things up? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's it's if somebody's familiar, I kind of go keep going back to Xamarin and WPF. If somebody's worked on WPF in the early days, um, where you would have that, where you had that designer application where you could just drag and drop things on and you just change some configurations and, and things work. It's, it's very much like a simplified version of that is what Canvas apps are. So can you use Power Automate to manage some of your other Azure resources or services? Oh, yeah. In fact, I did one on one of my blog posts a little while ago where I basically just created a, bu a button triggered app where I just hit the button and it would reboot one of my app services. Uh, it was that's a pretty simple example, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you can do to to monitor and maintain or uh, your Azure services using Flow. Pretty much anything that that has an API, you can use Flow with. I mean, a lot of times there's there's the built-in connectors, but for other things, you can write your own connectors for a lot of cases. Hey, folks! If you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. And what about like pricing? Like um, is is it generally, is a service generally free and you just pay for the consume of the consumption cost of the services that it's actually triggering or is there a pricing model for yeah, and it can get a little complex. So there, there is a free tier, which lets you do a limited number of runs per month. And it has a limited subset of connectors that you can connect to. Beyond that, they have a paid tier, which I think for, for a simple user is like $40 a month per user, uh, which gives you access to all the premium connectors, lets you do the on-premises stuff. And you get a whole bunch more runs per month that you're allowed to do. And then a number of the other licenses include various levels of, of uh, licensing for it. For instance, if you have like an E3 or E5 license, I think that includes Power Automate as part of that for each user. And it, it can get pretty complex. They also have a, a license where if you just have a particular flow that you've created and you want to be able to run it as many times as you want per month, then they have a basically what's called a, I can't remember the name, but it's a per flow license where you pay like $200 a month and you get five flows that you can run an unlimited amount of times. And so you can license it in that way as well. So you can either do it on a user basis or on a flow basis. For the Power Automate, for the, like the Canvas apps, it's a similar model as well. Mm. There's something that you, you listed here that goes with Power Automate, and it's the AI Builder. Mm -hmm. uh, what's that? 
So what they've done is they've taken some of their Azure AI services and they've uh, created a sort of simplified interface for using some of them. And they've included that in Power Automate. So for instance, one of the ones that I've, that I've played around with is taking a, a simple app where you pass in an image and it can tell you what's in that image if you've done like a training model for that. Another one is where if you have, for instance, this is a good one. If you have a invoice, for instance, that you get from clients and it's the same format all the time and it comes in on a regular basis and they just send it to like an email box, you can create a process that will pick it up out of that inbox look at the invoice, pull out all the relevant data from that invoice. So, you know, the client name, the, the account number, the, the pricing, the line items in that invoice, and just automatically import all that into a database or wherever you want to put it. Um, so you're not manually inputting all that data from something that somebody sent to you electronically. Or you could scan it and take a picture of it and do the same thing. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask if it could do OCR. but sounds Yeah, like yeah OCR good. is included in that. Another good one I did with with uh, that is it has like business card reader where you can set create this little app that will take all the relevant information off somebody's business card and when you take a picture of it and just put it automatically into like your Outlook contacts or whatever you want to use. So some of those basically some of those AI things that Azure has available, it's a subset of that that's just a lot simpler to use and to uh, implement into your flows. That's a great thing about these this cloud world. Like you don't have to learn how all these AI tools work anymore you can just simply call it you know as a service it's a lot more yeah it gets developers a lot more power yeah and another fun one i did is I, that i'm actually working on right now for a demo that i want to do at conferences over the next year or so is to have something that will take like a pile of dice from like your gaming dice and just be able to identify what dice you have what you know, sizes they are and what number is actually currently on the dice. So like, you know, if it's a, a D20 and the 18 is showing, being able to identify that out of a pile and just give you the results of that. So, so like, there's a camera that, that, you know, that looks yeah, so, at the dice. So you tie, yeah, you tie it to a camera. So you could take a picture, you could have like a, a live video camera mm. and it's just checking that every few seconds or something like that. That's cool. Could it pick stocks for me? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I'm, sure, so, I'm sure people have done it, right? With AI. Yeah. So what are, what are people some of tried? Maybe yeah. maybe something to monitor Reddit for some of those hot stocks that keep popping up like GameStop. <laughs> yeah. So so what are some of the cool things you've seen done either through integrations with Twitter or or Reddit or you know, Outlook emails things like that? What are some cool things people can do? There's some, yeah, there's some great stuff. So one of the ones that I've done recently also was something that just basically monitors my Outlook inbox. And if there's anything that's coming from certain people, just automatically ping me, send me a text message on my phone saying, hey, here's an urgent thing. This is a, you know, maybe it's a particular client that I need to, to respond to more quickly than I would other clients. Just have something that will ping me and let me know that, that there's an email from them. I've got another thing where when I post a new blog post in my blog, it automatically picks up the RSS feed and then puts out a Twitter post and a LinkedIn post saying, hey, I've got a new blog post out here. So I don't have to go out and manually do those myself. Oh, cool. Yeah, anything that save time, right? Yeah. Yeah, All kinds of things to save time. What are some of the things that can trigger things? And what can the thing respond to uh, as far as the trigger? Is anything Um, there? Yeah, there's all kinds of different things. I mean, you can have events from from all kinds of different connectors. So I mentioned before, you know, if uh, a file gets dropped into your OneDrive or if a new client gets added to your CRM system or 
you know, if you get a new email, there's just, there's literally thousands of different things where if something occurs, you can trigger it. Uh, you can also have triggers where it runs on a regular schedule, like every five minutes, every day, every week, every year, that kind of thing. And you can also have what's called a button trigger where it has like an app that you can install on your phone or go to the website and you just click a button and it runs the flow for you as well. I'm guessing the stuff like email and stuff to be some sort of like OAuth type authentication, like to ensure that you know the, it can actually read your emails and things like that. Yeah, I mean, when, when you're creating these connections and you're or you're adding the connections, you do have to log in, and that's I think one of the weaker points of of Power Automate and these other apps, uh, Logic apps, is the same way, is that it can't always create a good security connection. And by that, I mean, so say you have a company policy where you have to change your email password every 90 days. So if you have a flow that's running off of your email password or that's connected to your email account and that password changes, then flow also loses that connection. The Logic Apps also lose that connection. You have to go out and recreate that authentication. So it works best when those connectors are connecting via like a service account or somewhere you're not changing the password or mm. some kind of authentication like that. Uh, or where if you have like a, a token authentication or like a shared secret kind of authentication, mm. uh, that generally works guess, better than some that's relying on your personal account information. Yeah, but I guess not all these services would have that kind of thing available, right? So yeah, and it depends on on the service that you're connected to. It's entirely mm-hmm. what they have for authentication that you're dependent on. Are you familiar with uh, Zapier? Yes. Yeah, it's very similar to that. Yes. Yeah. So I was wondering how it compares to that. I, I think both that and, and was IFTTT, I think mm-hmm. is the other one that's pretty popular. I think it's easier to use than both of those, but I think those are also more consumer focused. So they have a lot of connectors that personal people or personal users might be interested in, whereas opposed flow on the other hand is, is more focused on businesses. So they don't always have all the connectors that, that you might have. So for instance, Flow, you're not going to be able to find something that connects to your Alexa app or your home security system or something like that. Whereas Xavier and, and IFTTT have those kinds of connectors at times. Well, do, do companies make these connectors or does Microsoft? Like in, if I had a company, could I just make my own connector and publish it on the Azure? Uh, both. And, and even you as an individual have the ability to create a connector to a service hmm. and be able to uh, publish that for other people to use as well. So some of them, some of them are created by Microsoft, some are created by the external vendors, hmm. and then some are con- created by individuals. Would there be any reason that I would write a program in .NET and then connect into Power Automate and trigger things there? From sure, yeah, because yeah, uh, one of the, one of the ways that you can trigger a Power Automate flow is with uh, like a, a web endpoint. And so, you know, if you have an app that's running, doing something, and it needs to, at some point, go out and trigger one of these flows, you could easily have it do that, either you know, from like a web app or even an on-prem app. All it has to do is call that web URL. Cool. You mentioned Power Automate Desktop, and I saw that there's this thing called robotic process automation. Is that, the, are they the same thing? or They're, they're the same thing, yeah. Robotic okay. process automation is what they used to call it, or RPA. So recently when they made it free for everybody who is already a Power Automate user. Um, they changed the name to Power Automate Desktop. Gotcha. That, plus, uh, you know, robot easier. <laughs> yeah. And plus, robotic process automation is more of a generic term. It's applied to a lot of different similar products that do the same kind of thing. So I know that, right, Microsoft has 
or they're trying to have a lot of easy entry points into Azure to get you started and then to get you using more of their services and resources. Do you see Power Automate as one of those things or is it one of those things that you would be using once you're already invested in Azure? No, I think it's, it's another one of those things that they're really trying to, to push and, and get it out there to everyone. I, as I mentioned, they have a, a free tier that they push, their community version, I guess they call it, that you know gives you a limited subset so you can kind of get hooked. You can see the potential. And then they get you, you know, as, as with everything, they get you hooked in there and then you subscribe to get the added features and the added performance and all that. So what what haven't we covered? What's what's left to know about the Power Platform and all the different uh, applications that are available? Well, I, I think the biggest question for a lot of us as developers is why we bother using one of these serverless type approaches when we could easily go out and write a web app or a, a console app or whatever it might be. And, and it's really, it's saving our, not only our clients' time and our, and our business users' time, we're saving ourselves time as well. And uh, a lot of these things that we would have to go out and figure out how to do, you know, how do I connect to ServiceNow or how do I connect to Salesforce or how do I connect to, to a SQL Server on another network or things like that. This takes a lot of that time-consuming and difficult effort that we would have to go through as developers and makes it a lot simpler even for us. So I know they kind of market it towards, you know, anybody can use it. But it also as makes our lives easier as well. That's great. Yeah, I'll, if it can save me time, yeah, I might have to look into that. I had a, a mm. college professor who who always liked to say, you know, we as developers are virtuously lazy. It was the term that he always used. We always <laughs> tried to find the, the easiest way to do something, and and he talked about that a lot. And this is one of those tools that can make our lives a lot easier. Yeah, we're kind of like water. You always take the path of least resistance. <laughs> well, and if you have to do things manually twice, then you can write something to do it for you. Yeah, exactly. For eternity, right? Yeah, and then that's where this this excels is, is being able to automate those repetitive tasks that you have to do over and over and over again. You know, like creating a user in, in Active Directory or whatever it may be, just these mindless repetitive tasks. And, and that's where this really comes across well. I think the good thing is that, that actually, you can generally kind of combine it with, like you know, there's this whole no-code movement and stuff like that, but a lot of times it's really hard to customize, but it sounds like with this platform, you can always kind of combine it with your code base, with, with, with um, your custom-made services as well. Yes, yeah, definitely. So along with all the connectors, is there any kind of a prepackaged solutions and things like that that already you know, basically gives you a good starting point template schematic to do to do different things. Oh yeah, yeah. If you go out there, there are thousands of different templates that are already there. Things that people have have already figured out as a common task, something that everybody needs to do. And if you just search through uh, their template thing, a lot of times you can find something that already does maybe eighty percent of what you need to do, and you just need to add a few things, makes, and then add your own connectors. So that yeah, that's. that's always the starting point for me when I need to do something in there is I go search the templates and find something that somebody's done that's similar, at least. You know, maybe instead of connecting to OneDrive, they're connecting to Google or maybe they're connecting to Box or something like that. And then I can just take that, modify it and, and use it for what I need. Okay. Anybody else have questions? Take yeah, the good. silence. Yeah. Is it no? Right. <laughs> well, that's not silence anymore, but yeah. Well, you right. spoke up, yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right, so um, there's nothing else. Let's move on to picks. Hey, folks. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on 
figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. Caleb, what's your pick? Yeah, so my pick this week, and I think I may have already mentioned like subliminal messaging or you know, right, listening to background music that has some Drink subliminal Coke. stuff in it. Drink Coke. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, right, I know it may not work for you or, or you may not believe in it. And that's perfectly fine. I think I think this is one of those things, mind over matter. Anyway, I've gotten a couple of MP3s from a company before and used them. And they recently came out with a subscription platform that actually has all of their subliminal MP3s on it that you can, you know, subscribe to on a monthly basis. So you can use all of them instead of having to pay for them separately. And I did it for, for a month or so and and I liked it. And sure, I'll probably do it again. But uh, yeah, hey, anything I can do to make myself better. So how does it work? Lord like, knows it I just, need it. Is it just like a like a song, and then someone's just saying some message backwards or something? No, right. Well, no, right. It's the. I think the right there are different levels of subliminal messaging, right? And and this company is more about right. It's more of kind of like electronic or mute music, right? And and. And then, of course, you can't hear this, uh, at least with this one, you can't hear it. It's kind of embedded in under the music or like motivational phrases and basically ways to talk to your subconscious and say, you're a good person or um, <laughs> you're going to grow hair or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I haven't tried you're going to grow hair. I do see a little growth on top of your head. Is that, um, is that, is that from the video? <laughs> No, no, I just need, I need, I need to shave it. <laughs> but yeah. So anyone who's curious, take a look. Right. No. All right. Why? Mm-hmm. What's your pick? So, um, I think Sean, you were talking about like a stock last week. So I thought I'd share something that I, I invest in, but I, I'm actually really boring when it comes to investing. I, I basically just put all my money into, um, what they were, what's called, um, ETFs. So they're called, exchange traded funds but they're basically like like they're like index funds so the whole point of it is that it just tracks the performance of an of an index so so yeah, that's what i invest in but they're it's because they're pretty safe um like because they're, they're you know you're buying like hundreds or thousands of companies so they're almost guaranteed to you know never go down to zero unless you know there's you know, societal collapse or something, and then just you probably got more things, other things to worry about. So, but at the same time, you, your your money is probably not going to like double overnight. So, so yeah, it's not a get rich quick scheme or anything, but it's 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 actually more of a get rich like really slow scheme. Um, because because yeah, every quarter they they give you a dividend. So, but yeah, for me, it's just a just a really easy way to invest. You know, I just buy it. I 
I literally just forget about it. And then, you know, I, I get a dividend every once in a while and then hopefully in 20 years or whatever, um, I just end up using it as a nice retirement fund. But ETFs would be my pick today. So Cool. All right. So uh, my pick this week is an article that I was just reading and it was somebody from the, co- the company I work for brought it up and I thought it was just a really cool concept. And it's actually in Staples Magazine. And the cool thing about this is for developers, and it's called Developer Town. And what it is, is instead of, you know, the, the wide open office, instead, the company's, you know, location is in a warehouse. But then your office is kind of like a little he shed or she shed that's in, in the warehouse. And it's got a door and you can, you know, style it however you want it, things like that. But then the also cool thing about it is they're all on wheels. So depending on which team you're working on, you, you move all your, your little you know, sheds together so that you're not, you know, not, not too far. And so you can you're like move in your little office, but you don't have to take all your equipment with it because it's already inside the shed. And then, uh, then if they switch teams or anything like that, you have to reorganize, well, you just move your shed. So <laughs> That's definitely thinking outside the box. Or yeah. wait, is it inside the box? <laughs> yes, the box in a box. <laughs> but uh, cool. yeah, because it's, it's got a door. If you want privacy, you just close your door. I just thought that was as awesome. If I if I didn't work from home, it'd be something that I'd be uh, pushing for for where you I. You can still do it from home. Huh? You can. Uh, <laughs> well, I already kind of have. I already kind of have my little self-designed shed in my, <laughs> the room in my house that is my office. That's. <laughs> All right, Beric, what's your uh, pick for us? Well, actually, I, I had a couple of things. One of them is a game. A lot of times you get into those moods where you just want a, a, like a game that's both fun and, and engaging, but also mindless, and you don't have to think about it too much. There was a game I picked up on a Steam sale a while back called Carrier Deck. It's just one of those things where you just you just basically just keep clicking and clicking and, and moving planes around on this carrier deck and send them off a mission stuff. It's a lot of fun, but it's also mindless. It doesn't take a lot of thought. Just something where you can just play and zone out for a while when you need it, like some relaxation. The other thing I wanted to, to talk about is a, a conference that I'm involved in as, as a board member, and it's called JavaScript and Friends. You had a, a guest a few sessions ago, uh, Baskar Rao, who was yeah. uh, he's the co-founder. I'm one of the co-founders on it as well. Uh, yeah. We run here in, in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we're in our third year this year and uh, getting ready to. Uh, finalize the speaker list and, and hoping to see a lot of people show up this year. We're actually going to be back in person. We were virtual last year. So if, you know, if you're in the Ohio area, we definitely want to invite anybody who uh, wants to attend to come on out. Mm. Is there still going to be a virtual element? So people that they can't get there can still watch it virtually. We actually have two days. The first day is a kind of a workshop day and that okay. one will be virtual. And then the second day, which will actually be the speaker sessions will all just be in person. At least that's the plan right now. You know, of course, things might change with COVID and all that. Maybe back to virtual again. But uh, <laughs> the plan at present is to be in person. All right. Is it a free conference or cost? It's or? it's not, but we're entirely volunteer runs. So we try to make it as cheap as possible. We've got a number of good sponsors this year. So we're still deciding what the final ticket price would be, but probably be in the $75 range, I would imagine. Definitely affordable. Yep. Yeah. All right, cool. Barrett, if people have questions about Power Automate and the Power Platform, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, there's a couple of different ways. I mean, you can go out to my blog. It's barrettblake.dev. And you can also reach me out on Twitter, which is at barrettblake. It's two R's, one T, B-A-R-R-E-T-B-L-A-K-E. 
uh, on Twitter. Those are probably the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. Cool. Awesome. All right. And if our listeners want to get in touch with the show, give us feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Please tweet at us. I am at .NET Superhero. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> By the okay. way, just so you guys know, the Uno show that I missed, I heard why at the end. You did a good job, Why? <laughs> Oh, I think cool, you yeah. did just fine. <laughs> to fill in, so, you know. Um. <laughs> and I'm Caleb Wellscoats. So, yep, good stuff. All right. Thanks, guys. Great show. Yeah, yeah Thank absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Barrett. Uh, Appreciate you inviting me. All right. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Adventures in.net. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.